Hello, my name is Dr. Paul Wheatley-Price, a medical oncologist and president of Lung Cancer Canada. Welcome to our podcast series called Lung Cancer Voices. In this series of podcasts, I'm interviewing patients, caregivers, healthcare professionals, some of the leading lung cancer researchers in the country, indeed in the world, to highlight important and relevant issues facing those affected by lung cancer. Welcome to this Lung Cancer Voices podcast, where I am talking with Natalie Fitzgerald, who is the Director of Performance at the Canadian Partnership Against Cancer, or CPAC, and with Erica Nicholson, who is the Director of Screening at CPAC. And CPAC have recently, just on November the 25th, released an important report, and it's called Lung Cancer and Equity, a focus on income and geography. And in that report, they highlight some findings which should be of concern to us all as stakeholders in lung cancer care and indeed maybe citizens of Canada. And so we're going to spend some time hearing from Natalie and Erica about this report what its findings are and maybe what we should be thinking about doing about it. So um, Natalie and Erica, welcome back to the podcast. We've already um, had a a podcast discussion about lung cancer screening, but welcome back to discuss this report. Um, Natalie, I'm gonna come to you first and ask you why, why did CPAC want to create this report? Well, we're, um, we're working through uh, implementing the, the refreshed uh, strategy, Canadian strategy for cancer control, which has a clear call to action for the Canadian cancer system to put equity at the forefront of everything we do um, and ensure that all Canadians have access to, to high quality care. Within lung cancer, um, we know that it's responsible for more deaths than uh, breast cancer, Uh, pancreatic cancer, colorectal cancer combined. Um, And there's a lot of stigma around lung cancer um, and and some of the risk factors associated with that. We had an opportunity to explore some new linked data sets with our partner uh, at Statistics Canada that allows us to look at some of the inequities um, within uh, different cancers. And so we, we really wanted to dig into that new data and explore Uh, what the experience is um, for lung cancer patients in Canada in terms of uh, the risk for developing cancer and the care that they receive and how that affects their outcomes. Great, thank you. Thank you for that. And stigma is something that Lung Cancer Canada speaks a lot about. There was an international survey led by the Global Lung Cancer Coalition, which is an international group of bodies of which Lung Cancer Canada is one. And you know, in that report from a year or so ago, identified that 20% of Canadians will, will say that they're going to have less sympathy for someone who's diagnosed with lung cancer compared to, compared to other cancers. And so we're, we're grateful for you doing this work. Uh, lung cancer is the most common cancer in Canada, and as you said, the most deadly. Um, Natalie, you touched there that you'd, you'd um, been working with Statistics Canada. Maybe you could go into a bit more detail about how how you generated this report? How you how you investigated equity issues? Absolutely. So um, we've been looking at the the data and uh, 
what we've seen is that by different income gradients, um, as well as where you live, if you're living in rural or remote settings, that there are differences in terms of um, the number of cases of, of lung cancer that we're seeing, um, as well as the, the access to treatment. And so really we wanted to, to dig into that and see um, how, those, how those inequities are represented in the data um, and being able to um, combine that with what we hear um, from, from our patients and family advisors um, and from healthcare providers that we're, that we're working with um, to be able to, to paint a picture of what those inequities look like. So you take data from provincial cancer registries, is that right? And Statistics Canada, and do you have people's personal health information or is this all anonymous? All of the, the provincial cancer registries submit their data to Statistics Canada. Um, and they, uh, they house all of that data in, in a center called a social data linkage environment. Um, so this is a, a very protected space um, where anonymized data um, sits and can be linked to explore different policy and research questions that really help us understand um, what's happening um, across the system. And so researchers can get access to this data um, in a very controlled way to, to be able to explore some of those really important questions. I think probably a key word you mentioned there is it's anonymized. So uh, it's not like um, uh, any, any specific person who has a diagnosis of lung cancer who might be listening to this. Um, there's, there's, no, uh, there's nobody behind the scenes who's uh, peeking at their health information without consent. This is all uh, anonymized. Absolutely. And, and in any areas where there would be small numbers, um, those would be uh, those would be rolled up or concealed in a way so that there's definitely okay. no personal information in that data. Okay. So uh, you've told us why you've done the report and, and um, some of the tools that you utilize to do it. What are the key findings of the lung cancer and equity report? It's, um, it, it's a bit of a grim story. Um, what we've really seen through the data is that individuals who, who have lower income and live in rural remote settings are at higher risk for developing cancer, are diagnosed at a later stage, and, and even when diagnosed at the same stage as, as other Canadians, um, do not receive the same access to curative treatments and have worse outcomes. And so it's really a story of compounding barriers um, that certain populations are facing in terms of how they're receiving um, lung cancer treatment and how that affects their, their outcomes. So I just want to make sure I understood you correctly, Natalie, um, that we're getting this message clear. You're telling us that Canadians who live in rural areas or are from, uh, have lower incomes, firstly, are more likely to be diagnosed with lung cancer. Secondly, if they're diagnosed, it's more likely to be at an advanced stage. And thirdly, even if they're diagnosed at the same stage, they don't have as good outcomes anyway. Is that the trifecta of bad news? That's exactly it. And I mean, it's a very complex um, story behind that. There are a number of um, social determinants of health that affect 
uh, an individual's experience with, with health and, and wellness and the healthcare system, um, and a number of barriers that affect how those individuals receive care, whether that be systemic barriers in terms of structural racism um, within the healthcare system, economic barriers for those individuals who, who may not have the same kind of flexibility um, to take time off work to receive treatment, um, or to those geographic barriers to be able to receive the, the highest quality care. You mentioned the term social determinants of health. Could you explain a little bit about what that is? Absolutely. So the social determinants of health are a number of factors that affect um, our health and well-being as individuals. That could be uh, whether or not someone has the resources to, to meet their, their daily needs, like, like safe housing um, and, and adequate food, um, access to, being, to, to uh, high quality care, whether they have access to a primary care physician, for example, um, access to education and opportunities as well as historical trauma um, or any, any racial or um, racial discrimination they may face. Okay. All of these factors will affect how someone interacts um, with the healthcare system um, as well as their, their general health and well-being. Okay, thank you. Um, Erica, I'm gonna pick up on something that Natalie just said and come to you. Um, uh, she mentioned um, historical, um, racial injustices and uh, no nation it seems is immune to those and Canada has its own issues with um, First Nations, Inuit and Métis communities. Um, are these communities also highlighted in the report as not doing as well? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think for me, the bottom line of the report is that in order to deliver high quality lung cancer prevention, treatment and care, we need to consider the social determinants of health. For me, that's, that's the bottom line, you know, to do it without. Um, Natalie, I know you can speak to the detail in the report, but my understanding is that um, I don't believe the report contains Indigenous specific information, uh, but we do know that Indigenous people in Canada tend to be of lower income and tend to live in rural and remote settings. Um, and so for me, you know, wearing my hat as the director of screening, this report A is, is um, really important for all of us to keep in mind because we have a tremendous opportunity as we're working to build lung cancer screening programs across the country. But this report tells us where we need to be working first and who we need to be engaging to co-create lung cancer screening programs that are respectful of the needs and the lived realities of, of people living in rural and remote communities, of people living um, with a history of trauma, of people who are on low income. And uh, so that may be, uh, it's both a challenge, but what an amazing opportunity that we have, right? So, you know, you've just released this report. It's very fresh with, these findings of, um, of, you know, these poor findings. C could you just tell me, Natalie, um, you know, sometimes when I read a research paper and it says, you know, drug A is not working as well as drug B. And so we'll all say, okay, well, we'll take drug B then. But then when you look into the details, 
um, you know, drug B is only marginally better than drug A and it's way more expensive and it's got some extra side effects. And, and so actually it's not as stark a difference as you might imagine. The differences that you're talking about with lower income groups and rural area lung cancer patients um, being diagnosed later and poor outcomes and the, the things that you outlined, are these big differences or is it kind of little differences? These are quite substantial differences. Individuals with the, the lowest income quintile are 77% more likely to, to smoke. Um, and when diagnosed at the same stage as individuals um, with a higher income, 26% less likely to receive curative treatment. That is an astounding number um, and really something that that requires us to pause and reflect um, on the supports that are required to ensure that every Canadian receives the highest quality care and has those social supports that are required to ensure that they can access that care. Right. Now, for a number of years, Lung Cancer Canada has been issuing an annual report called the Faces of Lung Cancer Report. And in that report, we highlight differences in access to care from province to province, but that's more related to new drugs and whether they've been funded in one province or another and, uh, or, or testing or even screening programs. And, and that highlights the differences from province to province and, and uh, decisions made by different jurisdictions. But presumably what you're describing is, is not you know, British Columbia doing better or worse than Saskatchewan, it's differences within provinces and, and is more reflective of the whole country. Um, is, that, is that right? Or are there certain provinces where this isn't an issue, certain provinces where rural issues don't play out as much as others? This report was done at a national level. Um, and so we're, we're looking at the pan-Canadian numbers here. Um, and a next step, um, within, within the data and, and the great um, data center at Statistics Canada where we can start to explore some of these variations would be to see if some jurisdictions are uh, meeting the needs of, of all populations a little bit better and where there are lessons to be learned there. Okay. Um, this isn't a very upbeat version of the Lung Cancer Voices pod because of the nature of this report. Um, if we were trying to uh, and as we come towards the end of the, the podcast, be more optimistic. Um, what, what can we do about this? What should we be doing about it? Um, Natalie, maybe do you want to go first and, and then I'll come to Erica? Well, I, I think it's a great um, segue into Erica's uh, podcast around lung cancer screening and the momentum that we've seen um, across all of the provinces and territories. Um, as well as a better integration of smoking cessation supports, uh, more culturally safe smoking cessation supports that are being rolled out into cancer centers across the country, um, really does demonstrate the, the need for um, our program to delivery to be catered to the, to the needs of those populations that need it the most. Maybe I'll turn it over to Erica to talk a little bit about the lung cancer screening. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Natalie. Right. I mean, the data is hard, right? It, it, it is hard. But um, 
but I think it's really important because hopefully it will spark more conversations about change and how we need to work together to affect that change. Um, and when we come back and hopefully look at the data in the next in five years time, what changes do we want to see and who needs to be around the table uh, to be involved in those changes? And so uh, I am hopeful with lung cancer screening and, and strong uh, smoking cessation programs that we can start to, to see some positive change. But also, again, this really calls us to the need to be really engaging with, with rural remote populations, with um, different cultural groups, with racialized populations, with low income groups, who I think classically have maybe not been as involved in planning services delivery. So if I wanted to leave it on a glass half full, yes, the data is hard, um, but hopefully this will result in some change in terms of how we, how we deliver services and really partner with communities to, to deliver them in different ways. Right, thank you, yeah. You know, I moved to Canada about uh, 12, 13 years ago, and I became a Canadian citizen about six years ago now. And in studying for the Canadian citizenship test, um, you get sent a booklet about 70 pages long with history of Canada. And, um, you know, I know the major economic components of different provinces and I know when Upper Canada and Lower Canada became the Dominion of Canada and all of these things. But one thing that really came through in that document for new citizens of Canada is that as a nation, we don't judge people by the color of their skin, their gender, their sexuality, their faith. But it seems like we do judge people by the type of cancer they've got or access to cancer care. And, you know, when we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, Natalie, you had this great um, example of um, on a sort of patient level, what this discrimination looks like. Could I ask you just to kind of tell that story again? I think what's really hard to conceptualize is, is the idea that if you have two patients walking into the same doctor's office uh, with the same diagnosis at the same stage of disease, why wouldn't they be receiving the same high quality curative treatment um, and having similar outcomes? And for, for those of us who pride, um, you know, Canada's universal healthcare system and the, the highest quality care that we have access to here, it, it's really troubling to, to know that some individuals are not benefiting from that system in the same way as others. Yeah. Erica, are there things that we should be asking of our patients to get them engaged with addressing these kind of inequities um, with their local elected officials or uh, provincial, federal, um, uh, governments? I think, I think the short answer to that is, that is yes. I'm hopeful that, that this report will spark some conversations. I think our opportunity, though, is how do we engage voices who have previously been unheard, right? How do we engage the voices of people who would benefit from lung cancer screening, but who are also experiencing homelessness, for example? Um, and I think 
so the short answer is yes, but let's step back and think about how we bring those voices to the table um, and, and make sure that, that our, our efforts um, are really aligned and that we can start to address some of those disparities, not like that you've illustrated in that, but imagine if two patients walk into a doctor's office, why wouldn't they have the same outcomes, right? So this report, which you've outlined to us is really troubling, lung cancer inequity, and clearly health inequity is the message that is coming through to me loud and clear. This would seem to be an urgent issue to deal with, not something to go through various committees and become a, just a, a talking point. Um, Erica, who does the burden fall on to address this? That's a great question, Paul. Um, you know, we're, we're filming this, taping this just as Canada's in its second wave of COVID, right? And uh, the disparities that this report shows are also disparities that have been put right in the front and center with COVID, right? And so I think in the past, the burden has, has been on patients and families to advocate, but this report reminds us that um, really this, the, what's driving these inequities, many, many occasions are systemic. So I think that the healthcare systems, policymakers, that is where the burden uh, and the opportunity for change lies. Yes, in concert with patients, but this, for the changes that are required, all of the systems and policymakers, this is an opportunity or an imperative for us to step back and take a look and see what changes need to be made and how we can make them. Right, thank you. And Natalie, you instrumental in, in, in developing this report. How would you respond to that same question? I would echo uh, what Erica has said um, and, and only add that this report shows us how invaluable uh, these types of data are to understand these inequities and be able to pinpoint where in the system uh, we really need to drive change. And so it just underscores the importance of having these kinds of identifiers within the data, whether it's race and ethnicity identifiers to be able to understand how these inequities are, are surfacing. Um, and that also includes supporting our national and regional First Nation, Inuit and Métis governments and organizations to, um, to work within their own uh, people-specific governed and, and led research and data systems to support these types of analyses and inform the policy. Great, thank you. Well, thank you both for um, coming on the Lung Cancer Voices podcast. For those of you listening, if you would like to see the full report, Lung Cancer and Equity, a focus on income and geography. There are um, various places that you can find that. It was released on November the 25th. You can find it on the CPAC website. That's partnershipagainstcancer.ca. You can find it on the cancerstrategy.ca website, and you can find it on the Lung Cancer Canada website, lungcancercanada.ca. Um, thank you again for joining the podcast, and um, please tune in for the next Lung Cancer Voices. Thanks to our producer, Ryan Mullen. Please send us your feedback, like, and follow us on Facebook at LungCan, on Twitter at LungCancer underscore Can, and on Instagram at LungCancerCanada. For more information about lung cancer or to donate, volunteer or share your story, visit our webpage at lungcancercanada.ca.